Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Gospel of Luke, as you heard just a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there are many verses in the Bible that talk about gathering. If we look at the New Testament alone, many of them refer to a crop being gathered at harvest time. Jesus tells us the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, where the wheat is separated from the weeds. John the Baptist tells us about the threshing floor, where the wheat is gathered and separated from the chaff. Others refer to animals being gathered, like Jesus telling the parable of the net, gathering fish, or the final judgment, gathering the sheep. And the goats. Finally, there are even just random gatherings, like Jesus talking about gathering withered sticks and throwing them into the fire. Now, what do all these have in common? Well, when we talk about parables, we know that there's always a, a deeper, a heavenly meaning. And all of these examples that I gave, they're not really about crops or fish or sheep or goats or sticks. They're about us. The things being gathered symbolize people. It's about us. You see, Jesus is a gatherer. And you don't see it any clearer than in the gospel reading for today. After his transfiguration, which we celebrated a couple weeks ago, Jesus is making his way towards Jerusalem, the city that he is going to enter into with a kingly welcome, riding on a donkey on Palm Sunday with shouts of, Hosanna to the Son of David! Hosanna in the highest! But days later, we'll turn on him and call out with shouts of, Crucify him! And in the midst of this journey that Jesus is on, he knows that he has to go to Jerusalem because that is the place where his life's work will be fulfilled. And I know that we often think of the Pharisees as not very nice people. After all, they're the ones behind the plot to get Jesus arrested and killed. But there were some that may have looked out for him, as we see. Some of them told Jesus to stay away because Herod wanted to kill him. But Jesus knew that he had to be in Jerusalem. As he says, For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Even though Jerusalem was the site of God's temple, God's dwelling place, the people had a history of killing God's prophets there. Jesus, being the final and greatest prophet, knows what is to take place in the city. And then he gives his lament over the city. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus longs to gather the people of Jerusalem to himself, comparing himself to a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings. 
A mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings to protect them when any threat of danger comes. She stretches out her wings to gather and protect. This is the image that Jesus is giving to the people. He is the mother hen with outstretched wings. He wants to give them safe shelter from true danger. But the people, the chicks, were not willing. Or to use the words of Psalm 36, they did not want to take refuge in the shadow of his wings. There are other phrases that Jesus uses calling people to himself. In Matthew, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the one who can take all of your cares and concerns and worries and burdens. You can lay them upon him and find peace and rest for your weary soul. In Mark, Jesus calls the rich young man to sell all that he had and then to come and follow him. For some, following Jesus was hard. For some, it was easy to leave everything behind. I mean, we can think about the disciples who experienced the call to come and follow me from Jesus, like Levi, also known as Matthew, the tax collector. Or we think about James and John and, and Peter and Andrew, the fishermen, who were called to follow Jesus and would become fishers of men. In John, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now we have these phrases of Jesus telling people to come to him, but he's going to make it clear you actually can't come to him on your own. And these are going to be important words for us. We see lots of phrases of Jesus telling others to come and follow him, and they do but it's not by their own power or doing. And this matters when we're talking about faith. And to this, we go to the explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed, the part that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, which we'll confess later today. It says, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith in the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. We are sinners. We talked about that in our confession and absolution this morning. We are conceived in sin. We are born into sin. That's original sin. And we do actual sins. And as sinners, we will never come to Christ. We will never choose him. We will never accept him because we do not have the reason, strength, or willpower to believe in him on our own. We cannot come to him. We will, in fact, just run away from him. When given the choice 
we will always choose the path of sin because we're sinners. And the path of sin is the path that leads to death and destruction. And left on our own, this is the path that all of us choose. This is the path that says, I will make my own decisions. I know what's best for my life. And that's what I'll do. No one can tell me how to live the life I want. No one can tell me what I need. I make the rules. I make the commands. Because I am in control of my own life. I am right. I am good. I am God. Except we're not good. And we're definitely not God. We just want to be him. Because we need to have a role to play in our life, and especially a role to play in our salvation. Except we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve heaven. We deserve death and destruction. We deserve hell. In our sin, we are spiritually dead, and we deserve to stay dead. And only God can make us spiritually alive again. Only God can raise the dead. Only God can give the gift of faith. And that's just it. It's a gift. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. Just like this physical life that we've been given is a gift, so too our spiritual life is a gift. Yes, Jesus still says, come. And so when we hear the words, come, we know that we are able to come because God is at work in us. In Luke, Jesus says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, heaven, is for the old and the young. I mean, this can easily lead us to baptism as Jesus welcomes even the smallest babies into his family through the water and the word, giving forgiveness and eternal life where the Holy Spirit is working in their lives, giving them the gift of faith. It is here in baptism where you find who you are and whose you are. You are a child of God, redeemed by him, called by name, claimed as his own dearly loved one. Baptism is a means of grace. It is a sacrament, a gift that God has given to his church where he once again gathers. As a mother hen gathers her chicks, today Jesus gathers his children in the waters of baptism. He also calls them through his word as it is proclaimed and preached to his people. And he calls his people to eat his flesh and drink his blood in his supper. He calls them to gather together at the altar a foretaste of the feast that is to come in heaven, that eternal feast that has no end. 
He calls us to gather in worship together around his word and his sacraments. He calls us to not give up gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. And that's because not all want to be gathered. And this is what we can see Jesus's, this is where we can see Jesus' lament over Jerusalem. He called them to gather to him, and they were not willing. He called them to come and follow him, and they said no. Instead of finding shelter and safety and refuge in Christ, the people rejected him. But this was all a part of God's plan. And it was all a part of what Jesus had prophesied would happen. And as Jesus looks upon Jerusalem, he paints the picture of himself as the mother hen stretching out his arms, his wings, so that all people find refuge in him. And a short while later, as Jesus is in the city that he laments over, he will be arrested and will be sentenced to death. And Jesus, as God and man, stretches out his arms on the cross for all people so that all will find forgiveness, life, and salvation in him. Because it is there where Jesus takes what we deserve. It is on the cross where Jesus pays the price for all of our sins. It is there that Jesus takes our punishment, our death, our condemnation, hell for us. Because it was the only way. Because he loves us so much that he would willingly, voluntarily lay down his life for all people. All people that he wants to gather to himself. And it does not end with his death because the sinless Son of God's sacrifice atones for the sins of all people. Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he has defeated sin, death, and the devil once and for all. And in his resurrection from the dead, he brings us peace. Peace between us, sinful human beings, and a perfect God. And in his resurrection from the dead, he gives us the promise of eternal life that all who believe in him will live forever. And in his resurrection from the dead, he again calls all people to himself. And still, not all want to be gathered. And as Paul says in the New Testament reading of Philippians, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Our selfish, sinful nature is opposed to God. Our selfish, sinful nature cares only of earthly things. We, are, we were all at one time enemies of Christ because of our sin. And some will choose the path of opposition their entire lives. And they remain and walk as enemies of Christ. And this is something to mourn. Because God wants all people to be saved, and we should too. Especially our family, our friends, our neighbors. All those who walk as enemies of Christ. And that is why God calls us to share the good news of Christ with them so that they may hear, be changed, and believe by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Otherwise, as enemies of Christ, they will seek to destroy all that he is and all that he has done. They will seek to erase the cross. And they will seek to erase the empty tomb. Or at least they will cast doubt on all that he has done so that others may be led astray from the truth of the gospel. So that you will be led away from the faith. In this world, we will have trouble. You will be tempted to believe the lies of the devil, the world, and your own sinful flesh. But as Paul says, we are not of the world. We are citizens of heaven. We belong to Christ. He has redeemed us by his death and resurrection. He has called us his dearly loved children in baptism. And his death brings us life. And the Holy Spirit is working in us to keep us faithful all of our days, to keep us faithful even if we face certain death like the prophets of old or the original disciples of Christ. And as Jesus said, we find our peace in him. In the world, you will have tribulation, trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And even though he has overcome the world, he still seeks to gather all those who are in the world to himself. Because he hasn't just died for those who will believe in him. He's died for those who walk as enemies of the cross. His love is unconditional. His love is for all people. And he will do everything he can to find those who are lost, to restore those who are broken, and to bring life to those who are spiritually dead. And on the last day when Christ returns, he will gather all people to himself. And those who believe will rise to everlasting life. Eternal life. Another gift from a loving God for his beloved children. For you and me. Until that day comes, he still calls you. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.